Previously on At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz. Do you uh, have five uh, on your mind? Uh, well, I have three, mm-hmm. and I can probably come up with two as mm-hmm. I speak. Three is the new five, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that show, and it's really good. <laughs> At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz begins now. Looks like we are back. <laughs> It's the At The really? Movies Podcast, that's right. It's a miracle. It is. It's it, a miracle. It truly is. I'm Lou Katz, along with me, the arbiter of great taste from Vulture and that other radio station, WTOP. Let's give it up for Jen Cheney. She's the arbiter of good taste. Yes. Or do ever we could get off the street. <laughs> Not in the least. And we save the best for last. The Lazarus of movie reviewers. You know, we can only be talking about Arch Campbell. I'm, afraid I'm climbing out of my grave right now. So here we are. And opening this week is Emma, the latest version of the Jane Austen classic. And we have an expert on Emma by Jane Austen in the studio with us, the author of the book As If on the Making of Clueless, which was a riff on Emma. And so, Jen, I'm very interested to know what you thought of the new Emma. I liked it. I mean, it's obviously a much more traditional take yeah, than yeah. Clueless, although it does deviate from the text in some fun ways. I think it's I think people think about Jane Austen, they often think of it as being kind of stuffy. And if you go back to her text, she has a very wry sense of humor. And mm-hmm. I think this version of Emma really took that and ran with it. I thought it was um, had a lot of really funny moments in it. I'm a big fan of Anya Taylor-Joy, who plays Emma, who is, you know, they, they, it seems like I read that uh, Jane Austen wrote the first teenage movie script. <laughs> she was the John Hughes of her day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a big fan of Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, she was in a movie called Thoroughbreds, which uh, really um, made her stand out to me. And she's in The Witch and some other things. She's great. I thought I was really impressed with how it looked, the art mm-hmm. direction of it. You know, beautiful pastel colors, grays and peaches and pinks and blues. And there's a scene where Emma is in front of a beautiful tree in full bloom Mm -hmm. that just i understand the director was a fashion photographer yes and and music video director and uh it comes through i mean i i just i thought it was an especially gorgeous looking film and the costumes were really interesting too like some of them you know were a little bit over the top to the point of being almost gaudy which i think Mm -hmm. was supposed to be the point so yeah it it did it was a beautiful looking movie but the humor was what really stood out to me uh bill nighy you know is always good for uh an injection of humor as her befuddled father yes who is constantly concerned about anyone getting ill and a draft (laughs) coming in and they have a lot of visual fun with that i thought miranda hart who plays miss bates in the movie was was quite good and John O'Connor, who plays um, Elton, Mr. Elton, uh, as this very uh, snobbish idiot, basically. <laughs> uh, you may have recognized him. He played Prince Charles in the most recent season of The Crown. Oh, oh. And this is a different kind of part from 
for him. I thought he was quite good as well. He's the reverend. Yes. He he did stand out. Yeah, I I think I thought I left. I thought it was an English major's dream, <laughs> and it looked like the audience looked like they had shown up for English Lit 101. Well, a lot of us took English Lit 101 and beyond, probably. And is that where you discovered uh, Emma and Jane Austen? You know, this is a sad story. I did major in English, but I my freshman year of college, um, I actually went to Maryland for one year, and then I transferred. Ooh. Um, and I wasn't being challenged enough at Maryland. So I was reading Jane Austen on my own time. Oh, wow. (laughs) So that's when I started reading Jane Austen. From Maryland to William and Mary. Yes. So you just dropped the land and went Maryland's a great school, by the way. I just, I, I didn't know what I was doing when I was graduating and, and probably signed up for classes that I could have signed up for, for harder classes, I suspect. So, and, and I understand there's going to be a remake of Clueless now. There is, yes. How are you on that? Uh, skeptical. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm always skeptical of any remakes of, of movies that are that beloved and that are still being rewatched and, and considered relevant. And especially Amy Heckerling is not involved in it mm. at all. Yeah. And that also makes me skeptical. But we shall see. Sometimes it can reinvent things and, and, and do it in a great way. So Might sell some books for you. <laughs> well... I'm not sure about that, but we'll see. <laughs> okay, let's see. What else? Did you see Gene Seberg? I did not. I was looking forward to that, and uh, it stars uh, Kristen Stewart as Gene Seberg, whose career started in the late 50s when she played Joan of Arc, and uh, she became a darling of the French New Wave. You know, mm-hmm. I'm always saying, why, back in the day... People would watch foreign films. She's in Breathless, one of the movies you need to see if you love uh, movies. And this is about the period of her life where she comes back to Hollywood uh, in the uh, middle 60s and has an affair with a black activist member of the uh, Black Panthers, played by Anthony Mackie. And um, it's the normal, run-of-the-mill, paranoid, her work with the civil rights movement brought her to the attention of the FBI, and the FBI started uh, trailing her. And so it's, oh, someone has been in my hotel room. Mm. Oh, there's a microphone in the, you know, it's the same old stuff. And and not to get too unkind, <laughs> but uh, I never thought I was watching anybody but Kristen Stewart up there with a short haircut. Mm. So I I thought it stunk. I not, <laughs> not to be too unkind, not but to be too unkind. <laughs> well, the kind way to say that is, um, it's not the best role for Kristen Stewart. It's just not her best thing. Yeah. So uh, I would skip it. You do you saw Call of the Wild? I did see Call of the Wild. <laughs> How's the dog? <laughs> well, the dogs. There's multiple dogs. Yes. Um, oh. There's a main dog, Buck, uh-huh. who's sort of the protagonist of the film. Hair CGI, hair CGI. Uh, yeah. Down, boy, down. I mean, for a CGI dog, <laughs> they did a very good job. Like, the, the, a lot of the, you know, mannerisms of a dog, they really uh-huh. captured that. Yeah. 
Uh, and there are times when you forget that you're looking at a oh. computer-generated dog. But yeah. then there are times when you're reminded very starkly, again, uh-huh. that it's not a real dog and it takes you out of the out of the film, um, which is unfortunate. I mean, I kind of understand why they had to do it. There are certainly some scenes where the dogs are abused, and obviously you wouldn't mm. want to do that with a real did dog. Did they CGI Harrison Ford? No, <laughs> they did not. Um, was he abused? <laughs> no, but he was not. He was not in a good place in this film. Uh, just his character. But um, and I guess it would have been difficult for them to film some of the scenes with a real dog and some of it with CGI. It would have looked maybe even stranger. So I don't know what the answer would have been, maybe. But um, anyway, the best parts of the movie are are when Harrison Ford's character really goes off with Buck the dog and they have their, you know, kind of moments and relationship that they have. Doesn't happen until the second half of the movie. Takes a while to get there. They have dinner together. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They hang out in the wilderness and bond. So it's not as bad as everybody has, or at least some people have said, but it's also not as good as it should have been. Yeah. So I think movie wise, we're recommending Emma this week. That would be yes. That's okay, the, that's the fine. best recommendation we have. So you have a lot of thoughts on television, and we're going to get to those. But first, uh, let me throw a cue to my dear friend Lou Katz. As I'm busy preparing for the world's shortest break, <laughs> this is the Katz Podcasting System. So, Jen, you've got a lot of things on your mind. Well, I don't know about a lot of things, but uh, <laughs> I've been watching. Mine is a blank slate. <laughs> I've been watching this new show called Devs. Uh, that's going to be debuting the first week of March. It's an FX on Hulu show. Uh, and what that means is it's it's an FX production, but it's going to debut on the Hulu streaming platform. So you won't be watching it on FX on your cable or satellite. You mm. will be watching it on Hulu. Devs. Yes. What's the deal on Devs? The deal on Devs is this: the whole series is written and directed by Alex Garland, whose films you may have seen, Ex Machina, Annihilation. He does a lot of sci-fi sort of stuff and that's what this is it's about a a company that's run by nick offerman and they're doing all kinds of experimentation with ai and other sort of futuristic stuff and they have a devs department a development department that is sort of mysterious as as to what it is that these people are doing early in the show somebody gets recruited to work in devs and very shortly after that is murdered and his girlfriend who also works at the company is led to believe he killed himself that doesn't seem to be the case. So there's that element of the mystery. Then there's the mystery of what is Devs actually doing. Uh, there's a whole lot more to it than that. I think it's an interesting show. It is slow. Ooh. Like I feel like maybe Alex Garland should have made this as a movie and mm. not an eight episode series because mm. it really does take its time. Uh, I've watched at this point, I think five episodes and there's still some stuff I don't totally understand at this point, which I think is intentional. But yeah, I mean, if you like his work, I think you probably want to check it out just purely out of curiosity. But I'm still I'm still not sure how I feel about it at this point. Hmm. I've got to watch the whole thing. You know, I have not been watching. I have not gotten into Macmillions for some reason. That's on <laughs> HBO. Yes, it's an HBO docuseries. And it's last two episodes are going to be airing in the next couple weeks. And And, you know, this is the show. It starts out, it's about, if you remember in the, in 2000, there was a scam involving the McDonald's Monopoly game promotion that they used to do. Oh, oh, that's this one. Yes. Where they, somebody was taking the the pieces that would 
allow you to win a million dollars and distributing them to other people. And the FBI got a tip that this was happening. And they said, by the way, you may notice that a lot of the people who are winning are connected to each other. They're either related or they there's some, you know, there's something going on there. So they started looking into it. And so part of it is about how they track down the people, how they figured out what was being done to sort of do this con job. But it starts to go deeper and deeper into these people's lives and how people's lives were really adversely affected by what sounds like kind of just a in the in the wide scheme of crimes mm, maybe not yeah. such a bad one and the last two episodes and i would say the ending of this thing is just a, a mic drop wow moment they reveal some things that are just really really interesting um if you like it's not exactly a true crime but i guess you could put it under that wide umbrella if you like huh. those kinds of shows I highly recommend that you watch this. And I was pleasantly surprised that uh, Better Call Saul started this week. We got uh, one episode on Sunday night, and it was too late for me to watch. (laughs) So I let the DVR pick it up, and then I go in there... And they've moved it to Monday night. Yeah, the second episode was on Monday night. So we had uh, two episodes back to back. And I do have to report that Gina kept saying, who's this character? When (laughs) when did he, you know? And and so then I would be explaining. (laughs) Yeah, he's. And uh, so we were a little confused. Okay. By which part? By mostly the drug cartelish stuff. Uh, the drug cartelish that you know. Why? You know who is that guy? And and uh, who's Salamangan? And I say, oh, you know, he's got the bell. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. I mean, we're confused anyway. Uh, but it was a little hard to uh, because it's a prequel mm-hmm. to a show we watched. So. You have to really dig back in your brain. Uh, but I'm a fan. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Gina is confused. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my story. Well, I that. think it's great. I, I it, One of the best shows on television. Uh, shall we do a shout out to um, Catherine Johnson? Sure. 101 years old. You know who she is? Mm-hmm. She was... Uh, Hidden who, Figures. Played by Taraji P. Henson. And uh, that was... Interesting thing about that movie is it was such a surprise hit and such an uplifting story. And she lived to be 101, Katherine Johnson. And it's great that she lived to see her story be told Mm -hmm. uh, in such a nice way uh, and and realize how how much her work, you know, for NASA was valued um, after, you know, it not being valued, uh, perhaps when it was when it was happening. Didn't didn't Hidden Figures get up for some Oscars? It did. Yeah. Yeah, If I recall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, at the box office, Sonic the Hedgehog was uh, number one again this week, uh, beating out Call of the Wild. That kind of surprised me. And Parasite is still in the top ten, and I think we would... And so is 1917. Mm -hmm. So is Bad Boys for Life. So there you are. So coming up, we're going to talk to our dear friend, Tony Perkins. You know Tony Perkins? Everybody knows Tony Perkins. (laughs) Nicest guy... He was the producer for Donnie Simpson's radio show way back in the day, back when Donnie was on uh, WKYS in the NBC building. And I would see Tony around there, and he's certainly done well for himself. And now he's on a new uh, morning show. And we have Stump Jim. Oh, yes. Oh, boy. (laughs) Stump Can we is is it possible to stump Jen? Let's see. Where's my question? We will we will gonna, we'll take this quick break. 
going to tell you a little bit more about Hound Radio and what we do, and then we'll come back with Stump Jen, and we'll chat with Tony next. sniffing around getting you helpful residential real estate tips like this. Downsizing situations tend to have a greater emotional component. They're usually the outcome of a life-changing event. Whether a divorce, kids leaving home, the need to find something smaller due to age or a financial situation, it's important to follow some basic steps to reduce the stress and make sure you find the right house for you. Start with making a list of priorities and determine your goals. Define what you're looking for in a place that will make you happy for at least five years. List will be something you come back to for a reminder of why you're going through this and what the positive end goal is. Then meet up with a lender and a realtor to discuss the strategy of your move. This is the most important step that will help you set up a specific plan of action. They will know if there are financing products and housing options that can help ease the transition. When preparing to sell, sorting and packing your belongings is a tough stage for most people. Deciding what items to remove and give away and what to do with items with sentimental value can be tough. So get help. Moving is always stressful, even more so when it's due to life changes. Seek help from friends and family and even professionals. I'm Karen Parnes for Hound Radio. At the Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System. Ladies and gentlemen, our dear friend Tony Perkins has joined the morning show at Channel 9. As you know, he is a D.C. institution, formerly the national weatherman on Good Morning America, radio partner for Donnie Simpson, anchorman on Channel 5, and a longtime friend, and now he's on Channel 9 in the morning Let's bring in our dear friend, Tony oh, Perkins. Yeah. Oh, I'm exhausted from hearing all of that. <laughs> How did you manage to do all of that? <laughs> I, I, I'm, you know, here's the secret, Arch. I'm 120 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember many, many years ago when you did stand-up on a late-night mm-hmm. show I had on Channel 4, and I always loved having you on. I wanted you to be the, the full-time announcer and uh, our budget was uh, zero, so it never worked out. And nothing has changed in that venue, by the way. Tell us about the morning show. What are you doing at Channel 9? So I've joined uh, the morning show. It's called Get Up DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show is on from 4.30 to 7 every weekday morning. I'm on from 5 to 7, uh, co-anchoring with Annie Yu, my old uh, friend and co-anchor from Fox 5. Mm-hmm. At 6 o'clock, we're joined by Reese Waters, and it is a fun uh, – it's a news show with everything you expect, traffic and weather, but it is, it's a very upbeat show that includes a lot of quirky information, and it, it's just something different, and I, I love doing it. Reese was uh, – did stand-up as well? Did you know him in your stand-up days? I did not, and in fact, it's funny. I met Reese for the first time uh, two years ago when Channel 9 first hired him, and he was getting, and the station was getting a lot of flack at the time because, you know, they made a big deal out of, oh, it's a comedian that they're bringing in to do the news. And it wasn't so much that they were bringing a comedian in to do the news. They brought him in to host the 6 o'clock hour and to bring um, some commentary and some uh, more lighthearted stuff to that hour. And, yes, of course, there's news during that hour as well. So I ran into him at a function, and I'd never met him before, but I said to him, listen, you hang in there because haters are going to hate, 
and I came from a stand-up background, and everything worked out fine for me, so you hang in there, it'll work out fine for you. And it has. And uh, I really have to admire the breadth of your career because you did stand-up, you did the weather on Good Morning America, and then you were the anchor man on Channel 5, and now you've got this Channel 9 gig. What, what's your secret? <laughs> uh, my secret is, is this. I, you know, I, I think it's good for all of us in this business to have a, a plan, okay, you know, when you get out of school and when you're young, here's what I want to do. I want to be a, an anchorman. I want to be this. I want to be that. But particularly in our business, I think it's also good to keep your options open. And when opportunities come your way, to not just dismiss them but consider them because there, you know, there are a lot of interesting things to do in this world, and maybe you haven't thought of all of them. And for me, when certain things would come up, instead of saying, no, 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 that's not what I want, or the weather gig, for mm -hmm. example. When I first went to Channel 5, it was to do weather. And that was nothing, I had no interest in that. I wasn't a trained meteorologist, but they said, listen, let's sit down and have lunch. We did that. They explained what it was. It was going to be personality driven, um, mornings every day in my hometown. And when I thought about it, I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to be on TV and a network uh, O&O every day at home and doing that. And I did that for seven years. That led directly to Good Morning America. So I got to do national TV. So I've just remained open to, to opportunities. I reunited with Donnie Simpson two years ago. Right. Yeah. So he and I had not worked together regularly for 25 years. And there was no reason to think that we would work together again. We loved being together. I would do guest shots on the show, and they would always go well. But never thought we would do it again. But then the opportunity presented itself, and I thought, wow, this is great to be able to reunite, do something fun, get away for a time from the news business, which can be very, as you know, uh, taxing and sometimes depressing and pressure-filled. It was, it was, it's been great. So I stay open to opportunities. Well, speaking of opportunities, Tony, we invite our friends to come on and be our guest critic. Ah. And I have asked you to pick a movie that you like and tell us why you like it. And you'll be, so, so here is our guest critic. And, and I think this is, this is even broadening your career yeah, this more. Is, this is going to be the turning point right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. From here on out, it's going to be movie reviews. <laughs> Tony, you're going to have to redo your business card now. That movie critic. <laughs> I'm running out of room on the business card. <laughs> so what have you selected? I have selected, and, you know, I, I wrestled with this because there's been so much talk about this movie, and it won Best Picture this year, but I've selected Parasite. Hmm. And the reason for that is I saw it before the Oscars because I try to see everything so I have a sense of, uh, uh, you know, what's going to happen that night. Right. I thought it was such an original movie, which you don't see much these days. I thought it was funny. I thought it was a great dramatic piece, a great satire, something I'd never seen before. I, and I thought the performances were great. My one thing about it um, that I, was, I didn't love – I thought it took a turn at the end without giving too much away, although I'm sure you guys have talked about it ad nauseum. 
it took a turn at the end where it almost became a different movie. It became like a Jordan Peele movie all of a sudden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that seemed out of left field. So I wasn't crazy about that. But other than that, I thought it was a very original story. So there you are, Parasite from uh, Tony Perkins, who is anything but a parasite. <laughs> We're the parasite invading your time this morning. Oh, you're wonderful. Arch, you know I love you. And can I say one thing? Arch, you, you mentioned uh, your show on Channel 4 back whenever, whatever years that was, the 80s, I guess. You're, you're, and I've told you this, and, and you know how I feel about you. Uh, first of all, I think you're a, a broadcasting legend. I love you. And for you to to identify me, put me on your show, really believe in me, uh, uh, say nice things about me uh, on TV, um, I, I have always appreciated that. I really, really do. It's it, it, it was a great start to my to my career. You know who else debuted on uh, on my show? Who made his first ever television appearance was Martin Lawrence. <laughs> oh, Martin, wow. He uh, he was living with his grandmother in Greenbelt, and we got him to come over and do some uh, stand-up. And, uh, mm-hmm. of course, after we bleeped it out and cleaned it up, it was fine. You, you wound up with a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, I'm going to get up, DC, and watch you on Channel 9 now. I think it's great you're doing that. And uh, you're a longtime friend. Just want to wish you the best. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you guys. You too, Tony. Thanks. So that, there he is. He's our good friend, Tony Perkins. And it's nice of him to uh, give us a minute because I'm sure he's exhausted because he goes to work at 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I is would that, not be able to do that. They, what, a, what a deal. They give him the first half hour off. <laughs> for, who is watching the news at 4.30 in the morning? People who get up to exercise. Oh. I, I don't know. I've never done it myself. I hear that others do. <laughs> and the people of master control. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it, man. <laughs> so uh, here's what I have for Jen this week. And, oh, and I have an idea for a new segment. Uh, but I think I'm going to tell you about the new segment idea I have All right. next week. Okay. How's that for a tease? But here's, here's our stump Jen question. Five people have won the Oscar Three times, five five actors and actresses have won three act three Oscars, and one actress has won four Oscars. Okay. Can you name one of them, and you get extra credit if you can go beyond that? Well, certainly one of them is Meryl Streep. Yes, correct. Um, She's won three. Sophie, Iron Lady, and Kramer versus Kramer. Okay. Do you remember who won the four Oscars? I'm trying to think who that would have been. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I sense a, I sense a little uh, hint here. A little, a little hint. Is that a hint? Oh, oh, oh Spencer. Spencer. Oh, okay. that's your Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> gotta, gotta work on that one. Right? Well, <laughs> she won four Oscars. Okay. For Morning Glory, guess who's coming to dinner? Uh, the Lion and Winter, and On Golden Pond. Okay. And uh, anybody else you can think of I'm who's won think. three? I was going to say Cary Grant, but I feel like Cary Grant really didn't get very many Oscars. No, no. It's not, it's not Bogart, is it? He didn't get no. any either. Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Jack Nicholson. Ingrid Bergman. Remember, she won one as one of supporting for Murder on the Orient Express, mm-hmm. Gaslight, and Anastasia, and Walter Brennan. 
<laughs> so there you go. Kate Hepburn won four. Daniel Day-Lewis, Meryl Streep, Jack Nicholson, Ingrid Bergman, and Walter Brennan won three. Well, you still get gold stars, Jen. Oh, for yeah. No, no, I don't. No, Jen is, she, you can't stump her. You, you just did. Well, you just I, did. I, I just a little bit. That. Ask me some questions about MTV from like 1983. Then I'll just <laughs> come she'll, along. She'll clean, she'll clean up then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to make myself a note of that. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Uh, best bets for the weekend. I'm just going to go with Emma. Okay, that's the best new movie out there. Okay, uh, I have a a few. I'll reiterate what we said earlier about Better Call Saul. That uh, mm-hmm. it's a great show, and it's a good time to catch up with it if you haven't. Another thing to be watching and catching up with, which sometimes you may forget about because it's on late on Sunday nights, is uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Mm-hmm. He has returned mm-hmm. from his hiatus as of two weeks ago. Uh, did a great long segment on his first episode back about uh, Medicare for All. Did a, a good segment this past week about uh, prior to the visit to India by our president um, about their leader Modi and and sort of the impact that he's been having. So that show is always worth watching. And even if you don't have HBO, a lot of his clips are on YouTube, like the longer segments. You can just yeah, watch them there. Yeah. And then this is sort of a goofy thing, but we at Vulture we do every month we do what's on Netflix this month, what's on Hulu, what's on HBO to keep track of it all. Right. Uh, and, and there's some of the most widely read things that we do because people are trying to keep track of what's what's on. Yeah. And so I just wanted to put in a plug that on February 29th, Jerry Maguire is coming back to Netflix. Oh. <laughs> That will complete us. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I, I As the years have gone by, I really feel like that might be Cameron Crowe's best movie. Mm. I still don't believe the ending. I don't believe that Jerry would have had an epiphany. But I love all the sports stuff in it. Regina King, now Academy Award winner Regina King, mm. is phenomenal in it. Everybody's great in it. It's it's one of Tom Cruise's, you know, certainly one of his most appealing, great parts. Uh, it's one of those movies, if it's on, I've seen it so many times, but if I'm flipping channels, I'm like, oh, Jerry Maguire's on? I'll just start and watching. And early it. Renee Zellweger. Yes, that was her did, really, her big breakout. Did she win? No, she did not. Not for Jerry Maguire. She did not. Uh, nor did Tom Cruise. Cuba Gooding Jr. won for yeah, Best Supporting right. Actor. And, he, and he, that was the night he just went nuts. Yes. Winning. I love you! Show me the money. <laughs> and it was nominated for Best Picture, but did not win for that either. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's a good catch. So, uh, next week uh, is spring break, and uh, we're going to be off. But we're going to have the... Well, it's spring break for you. <laughs> we're always on break, Jen. My, my, <laughs> my life now is spring break. <laughs> we're going to have the review of reviews next week. Mm-hmm. And so we'll have a show next week. And I'm going to be announcing a new segment that will stump Jen <laughs> next week. So you have that to uh, look forward to. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> So, Lewis, thank you so much, as always, for listening. And we're going to wrap up this particular show. And, Jen, you've been such a big fan of Jerry Maguire. There was a beautiful instrumental that was the actual theme, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. to that movie. And we're rolling that now. Oh, nice. In this case, we're not showing you the money now, but we're playing the music. We'll catch you next time around.
This is the Cats Podcasting System.